truth is out there. The truth is out there. Who knows where that comes from? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. He got it. Yellen wins the prize. The truth is out there. That was the tagline for a science fiction TV series called The X-Files. That was hugely popular in the 1990s, but you're not really dating yourself because it was recently revived for its 11th and apparently final season. Over the course of 25 years, FBI special agents Scully and Mulder investigated paranormal events, extraterrestrial aliens, miscellaneous monsters of the week, all while fighting a shadowy government conspiracy. The truth is out there, and all we have to do is find it. Or maybe not. The French philosopher of science Bruno Latour has argued that that isn't really the way that truth is discovered, or as he would prefer to say, the way that truth is produced. Latour argues that facts, even scientific facts, are socially constructed. The truth isn't out there waiting for us to find it. Now, reality is out there, but the truth is here with us. It's always personal. It's social. We could say it takes a village to make a truth. So Latour developed what he calls actor network theory. Fancy name, simple idea. Truth is what comes out of a network of communication and relationship. Both human and non-human beings collaborate to create knowledge. And as it turns out, this is actually a pretty messy business. It involves a lot of trial and error, argument and persuasion, lots of politics. Latour has a new book about climate change where he's trying to convince scientists that it's not enough for them to just say, here's a fact, and here's a fact, and here's another fact, and then expect that someday everybody's going to wake up and believe in climate change. He says, no, that's not the way truth works. You have to argue for it. You have to be persuasive. You have to make your case. You have to work the angles. The truth isn't so much out there beyond us as it is right here among us. And it's always constantly changing. It's always in flux. In their very different ways, I think there is some, that is something that both Pontius Pilate and Jesus knew quite well. As the Roman governor of Judea, Pilate must have been very well produced and uh, very well versed in the production of truth. The production of truth, the way the Romans did it, was by force and intimidation. In his experience, truth was always the product of force. When Pilate asked Jesus if he were the king of the Jews, he wasn't inquiring about his family tree or his pedigree or his divine commission. All that Pilate really cared about was whether Jesus was claiming to be king, and if so, whether or not he had the clout to make it stick. So when Jesus refuses to say whether or not he's a king and instead starts talking about truth, Pilate dismisses him with his famously cynical question, what is truth? You see, Pilate's relationship to truth was like that of every other authoritarian despot through the ages. Truth is whatever the strongest person says it is. 
My truth is what I can convince you to accept. Jesus also had an actor network theory view of truth, I think. But for him, God was the primary actor. Not the only one, but the most important one. Listen to what Jesus says to Pilate. For this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth hears my voice. Everyone who belongs to the truth. If we belong to the truth, we aren't just finding it out there or analyzing it from a distance. Truth is up close and personal because it comes from being in a relationship with God. According to Jesus, truth is not a what, but a who. It's not a thing or an abstract quality, but a relationship with a loving God who is ever living and ever new. Truth is, relation, is relational and dynamic and changing. Truth isn't out there in some timeless frozen dimension, but it's right here in all the complexities of our human historical existence. God's truth may be eternal, but our grasp of it is partial and incomplete and subject to change. Consider this. There have been times in Christian history when Gentiles couldn't be baptized. Women couldn't be ordained. Gay people couldn't marry. Black people were held in chattel slavery. And in every case, there were people who believed that was true because the Bible said so. But maybe those are some of the things that Jesus was talking about when he said elsewhere in the Gospel of John, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, that doesn't mean that every idea, every new idea is good or that every established tradition must be overthrown. But if we belong to the truth, then we are part of God's actor network. Along with other Christians and other people of goodwill, we need to study the scriptures, use our God-given brains, pray for discernment, and then once we are convinced that the Spirit is leading us, we must, must do everything we can to proclaim the truth, both in word and in deed. Of course, we could be wrong. So we need to proceed with humility and be willing to change our minds and our hearts again and again as often as necessary. But we cannot ignore the truth or sit idly by while it is being degraded. If we love the truth, then we must live the truth. Let me give you a concrete example. Last Tuesday night, we had a wonderful joint Thanksgiving service with our Jewish friends at Congregation B'nai Israel in Vallejo. And when our rector, Annie, gave the drosh, or the sermon, she's a very good drosher, by the way, she began by thanking our hosts, and then she recalled the horrible mass shooting at Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh last month. Annie told the people of B'nai Israel that we at St. Paul's stand with them and that we will do everything in our power to combat the forces of anti-Semitism. It made me proud to be a part of this faith community. And it made me think about what can we really do to help? None of us is going to attack a synagogue. I doubt that any of us even know anyone who would think of doing such a thing. 
But the hatred that motivated that angry shooter in Pittsburgh was fed by centuries of Christian teaching about Jews and Judaism, and we can do something about that. Let's be frank, the roots of anti-Semitism go right back into the New Testament, including the Gospel of John that we heard from today. The other Gospel writers talk about Jesus' opponents as being the Pharisees, a group within Judaism. John just calls them the Jews. But John was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. They were all Jews. They were fighting with each other. It's like our talking about who is the real Episcopalian. The roots of anti-Semitism may go back to the New Testament, but so does the divine message of love and tolerance and inclusive hospitality. Out of this complex and conflicted mixture of traditions, we pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us into all the truth. As Christians today, we are part of God's actor network to make the truth and to do the truth in our own time, in our own place. The things we do, the words we say, even the thoughts we think can make a difference in the wider world. Synagogues wouldn't be attacked if people didn't think that Jews were somehow evil. And they wouldn't think that Jews were evil if our common cultural assumptions didn't provide some kind of support for that pernicious idea. And we can do something about that. And here's how. First of all, whenever someone in your hearing starts to talk about the God of the Old Testament, or if you ever find yourself thinking about the God of the Old Testament, stop yourself right there. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament who is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To make a distinction between those two gods is an old Christian heresy promulgated by a guy named Marcion in the second century. Don't be like Marcion. He's been condemned by creeds and councils for thousands of years. The Old Testament contains both law and grace. The New Testament contains both forgiveness and judgment. Both Testaments have passages that appear to condone violence and also passages that speak of love and mercy. Jews and Christians worship the same God. Second, this is really important, I think, Jesus did not come to save us from Judaism and the law. Jesus came to save us from our sins. When Jesus challenges the laws about Sabbath keeping and kosher dietary restrictions, he does so for the sake of human kindness and justice. And when he condemns the religious authorities as hypocrites who oppress the poor, he's being a good Jewish prophet. He's just like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea and Amos. Jesus wasn't rejecting Judaism. As a faithful Jew himself, he was calling his own community to live up to its highest ideals. As someone has said, Saying that Jesus was anti-Jewish is like accusing Martin Luther King Jr. of being anti-American. Both of them were challenging the status quo, yes, but the status quo in a nation that they loved precisely because they believed in a promise that had not yet been fulfilled. And finally, we need to remember all Jews are not alike. 
Not now, not then. So let's not talk about the Jews as though they all were the same. In the New Testament, we read about Jews who believe in the resurrection of the dead and those who didn't, those who collaborated with Rome and those who rebelled against it, those who were looking for a Messiah and those who weren't, those who obeyed the law with all their heart and those who were hypocrites, those who followed Jesus and those who were plotting against him. Whether they did good or bad wasn't because they were Jews, it was because they were human. When we read the New Testament, surely we can look and say, that's us. We would have struggled just as they did. And the same thing is true of Jews today. There are Zionists and there are non-Zionists. There are pious believers and secularists. There are strict keepers of the law and those who go to temple just once or twice a year. See how much Jews and Episcopalians have in common? <laughs> As always, the best antidote to prejudice and stereotyping is genuine friendship. If you want to know what Jews are really like, ask a Jew. Or as my Jewish friends like to say, ask 10 Jews and get 11 different opinions. <laughs> Another way in which Jews and Episcopalians have a lot in common. What is truth? Asked Pilate. Maybe that's the wrong question. Better we should ask, where is truth? Or even better, who is truth? The truth isn't out there somewhere waiting for us. The truth is here, among us. The truth is in God, and if we belong to the truth, then we will hear God's voice. In Christ, we shall know the truth, and love the truth, and do the truth. And by God's grace, the truth will set us free. <clears throat>